It's like it's like stuff in your crotch. She she's gonna see how little your dick actually is when your pants come off. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. I don't know why I did that because we're not talking about Road Warrior, but Cecil. Wow, how do I even like? How do I even respond to that? Does you can tell me to just walk away. Just walk away. Just walk away. And no Peter this week because, well, he didn't show up. We don't know why, do we? No, uh, I am going to say, uh, he is currently reenacting the opening scene of Drive somewhere. Either in his head or for real. Either way, it still works. If you guys want to reenact things from movies, like porno movies, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So Cecil, tonight, let's talk about advertising, because advertising films has really changed over the years. You know, you and I aren't the same age, but we, we're relatively enough that we grew up in the same general pop culture era. When we were growing up, advertising a film was a totally different monster than it is today. Do you think that's the natural evolution of film advertising, or do you think the internet is where everything swung differently? Because I tended to notice advertising films totally changed after the internet became a thing. Oh, yeah. Although I, I kind of miss the early days of internet advertising. One of the big ones that I remember was uh, when Giant Mnemonic and Judge Dredd came out. They used to have these things, I think they were called Cinepackets, where you could download them and it would have like information about the film and a lot of times would have like a little, you know, little flash video game that you could play. And it was just something that was kind of neat. It added an extra element to the film without ruining the film. It was like, hey, here's a little bit of information about the production of this film, all the work that went into it. Here's a couple of behind the scenes stills. Here's the trailer, the, the you know, minute long trailer. And then you have this little uh, little flash game you can play. Uh, Species was another one that had it. I just thought it was neat. And it was like it was a way of them trying to find a new way uh, to advertise on the Internet. Now it's essentially, hey, let's just keep giving you more and more footage of the film until the film comes out. Doesn't even matter that I'm not interested in Avengers Infinity War. Somebody cut together on YouTube all, every single clip that has been released in promo clips, trailers, and whatnot, 48 minutes of Avengers Infinity War have been released online. That, and then, that, that, and, that's ridiculous. And then if I put together a video where I'm using clips from the marketing that they used, they'll send me a, a copyright notice. I, I get like, the same thing because every time I do a review on YouTube, I either use some behind the scenes that's on YouTube or the trailers and I always get copyright hit. I've never understood the logic of that. Here's the, what we're going to use to market the movie. Hey, don't use that that we use to market the movie. What the hell? And look at this. 
Peter decided to actually show up and join us. Hey, Peter. Hey, I decided to actually wake up. Imagine that. See, I told you he was reenacting the opening scene of Drive in his head, Cecil. So who what? wouldn't? Yeah, in in my in my head, I was dreaming about that for sure. You always dream about Ryan Gosling. Well, yeah, who doesn't? Well, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So has this gotten out of control? Well, it's the viral generation now. It, you you can't advertise a movie the way you used to because you know we're in the we're in the generation of information right now. I mean, you used to be able to just release a short teaser that's like a minute or something like you'd film something specifically to use as a trailer like the the teaser they made for like terminator 2 and for for lots of for lots of other movies like they would just film this little thing like it's a have you ever jacked in have you ever wire tripped (laughs) you used to be able to tease an audience that way and then release the full movie and then like eventually you'd have the tv spots and shit like that whereas now if you release a teaser and this happened with with venom they tried to do that where they barely showed anything about the movie and immediately you had everybody going oh this looks like it's gonna be shit you you can't even see venom they didn't even show venom venom's not gonna be in the movie and then they actually put venom in the trailer and they're like oh venom looks like shit venom's probably not even gonna be in it very much oh he's probably only in that scene it's so many people fucking complain so much and and people will, will base something entirely on the way a trailer is cut if something is in it too much which they do a lot lately they'll they'll spoil the whole movie in the fucking trailer or as you said they'll release 40 minutes of the movie to the public and it's like why you just you just showed them almost half the film why are people even going to show up and see the movie and stupidly enough they will probably but it's a generational thing i, I don't know what it is you i i miss the days when trailers barely showed anything or they would film something that would that would specifically be a teaser to well you know tease you to go see the movie instead of like showing everything like i honestly would have been happy with the way the Venom teaser was, where they didn't even show what he looked like. I I still wanted to go see the movie, just because I thought it looked interesting. And I still want to see it after seeing what Venom looked like, but I thought the teaser was fine. But according to 90% of the other population, no. No, we have to see exactly what he looks like and exactly what the reveal was going to be. It's it's just, it's a difference. It's a generational difference. I'm not 100% sure on that, because personally, I know you guys like the shorter trailers. I kind of like that 70s movie trailer style where even if it's not accurate to what the movie would be, you get like a three-minute mini-movie. Go back and look at trailers for like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and things like that. You get like a little mini three-and-a-half-minute condensed version of the movie, and I don't I don't dislike that. It might not be accurate to what the final film will be. You know, for one, I'm not one of those, oh, it's spoiled stuff. You guys know how I I don't do this spoiler warning. I have never had a movie's enjoyment ruined for me because I already know the ending. I've had people do that when, like, it's based on a novel and they've read it. Well, don't tell me the ending of the movie. They might have changed it. No, they didn't. <laughs> Literally, this did happen. My wife at the time and I were in a video store looking for a movie. We were going to see Titanic later that night. So this is 1998. We were in a video store renting something for after the after Titanic. We yeah. were talking about the boat sinking, and somebody got pissed off that we spilled the ending <laughs> of Titanic because they didn't know the boat sank. Wow. And I, I just, I'm so sick of everybody. You, you talk about a movie online and they're like, spoiler warning! Come on, no spoiler warning! Shut up! Then don't read my post, okay? I'm so sick of this. You spoiled the movie! Shit. Yeah, I think, um, 
there are some people that take that shit too personally, and there's some people who don't see the um. I, I guess I'll call it the the statue of limitation of uh, movie ending revealing. Where I think if a movie has been out for a month and you're still calling spoiler warning, it's your fault for not having seen it yet. It's open to the public. People have seen it, and people can fucking talk about it. We're we're a population of billions of people. Just because you've seen the movie late doesn't mean that I can't talk about it. I don't mind. I I personally avoid spoilers. I don't mind people talking about it. I do my best to avoid talking about it. But when you have people that will go on Twitter and will, oh, I can't believe that blah, blah died. And then that gets retweeted and I end up seeing it. Well, that pisses me off. Somebody will go into the comment section at YouTube under the trailer or whatever and uh, will like spoil a movie or something like somebody's doing it just to be a dick. Like mm-hmm. there's a difference between discussing what happens in the film versus going out of your way to ruin it for other people and yeah. going out of your way to make it so that the person who is maybe actively avoiding what happens you want to make it so that it ruins it for them because you get some sort of enjoyment out of it that's where i have a that's problem with a spoilers dick, there's a difference but between being the... a dick and just like i said i hate this spoiler warning shit well, no, well, yeah, I put... like, like there's, there's a real difference between the two. Like you'll have month and a half, two months, even five months after the movie's been out and you're talking, you're discussing it on Facebook. And then you'll have that one comment from somebody, Oh, spoiler warning, dude. And it's like, it's, it's been out for half a year. You know, I'm, I'm allowed to talk about it at this point. It's, it's the, what Cecil's talking about is when the movie's been out for like a week or a few days and you'll have the, the person just fucking steamroll everybody with the ending. I think that's, that's definitely being a dick. The people that were, uh, and this is going into books, well, that were waiting in line for the one Harry Potter and you had videos of people driving by going, Snape kills Dumbledore. Yeah, that's the famous, famous spoiler ending. And it's like such, like, that's just really being a dick. Yeah, like, that's that's dickish. What about, like, with a trailer where we've seen so many movie trailers that give away the ending? But at the time, if you haven't seen the movie, you don't know that the ending's been given away. Like, you know, Cecil, you love bringing up Quarantine. How even the poster and the final shot of the trailer are the ending of the movie. But it, before you've seen the movie, you don't know that. So what's really the problem there? Because when it happens, it's no longer, you're like, oh, oh, this is it. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't impact. See, I had seen Wreck, which was the movie that it was remade from before quarantine. And so I remember how iconic that was. It was like, holy crap, you know, you're going to end it on that when they were showing it in the trailers and all, you're like, oh, well, there, there it is. So yeah. it just, it doesn't have the same impact. It like, it, it's such a, such a like shock when it happens but then in the movie doing there is they're they're advertising what was so scary about the original foreign film and that's how they're trying to draw you in like remember how scary this scene was well our our version of it has it too only they 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 changed it from the religious angle to be the super rabies and all that but yeah it's uh it was so dumb terrible remake but i i have a problem with just like when I go to see a movie, like I understand, you know, uh, you know, do your best to avoid trailers, but now you can't. 
Like my job entails, you know, it has me being on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. And now when a trailer comes out, it becomes, you know, it's memed. And then you have, uh, people that'll be like, we dice the day after the trailer comes out. We dissect the Venom trailer. We dissect oh, this so, trailer. I'm so sick of that crap. I'm mm. so sick of people that, you know, especially for a comic book movie or if it's part of a franchise, they'll, they'll dissect the trailer and look for clues and this might mean this and this might mean this. Or you could just f- off and wait for the movie to come out <laughs> well no yeah. then they won't get that sweet delicious clickbait well i i can't stand that all that analyzing and this might mean this and this might mean this and this is a clue to this and shut up yeah it's it's really cringy yeah I'll, i'm i'm with you on that i just i i can't stand it but the problem is with uh with all of that then you have people plastering it all over twitter plastering it all over facebook and meanwhile i'm like i i can't turn this shit off like i can't like i actually uh a lot of times if it's a movie that i don't want ruined i will go into muted words and i will mute a variety of words you know uh avengers civil war this that and the other thing so mm. that i don't get the goddamn thing spoiled for me because people can't seem to not yap about it and it drives me nuts and then mm. and then on top of that there maybe is a movie that's coming out a couple months from now that i'm really excited about that i'm gonna go see regardless and i go to the the movies and hey my punishment for getting there on time is now I have to sit through 20 minutes of trailers ruining a bunch of movies for me. Like, either that or I have to, sh- you know, uh, I have to either go to a theater where I can buy my tickets ahead of time or go to the theater, get a bad seat, and just go late, you know, See, go 20 just, minutes later. I don't understand how a trailer ruins the movie. 2016's Synchronicity. Synchronicity, having seen the movie, and there's a major plot twist in the in the final act, that's in both trailers. But having seen the movie, there's really no way you could have sold that movie without putting the plot twist in the trailer. There really isn't. I cannot see a single way they could have cut a trailer that would have been interesting that would not have had the plot twist in it. I just can't do it. You're not an editor. Yes, I am. (laughs) I edited for TV news for f***'s sake. Ah, that's TV news. It doesn't count. (laughs) It's just that they want to look for the easy way out. And what could sell it better than showing that there's going to be this huge twist? Oh, my God, I have to see it because of the twist. Well, guess what? Now you see it. Now it's ruined. Some movies have too many plot twists. This isn't part of the topic, but that's one of the things I did not like about Happy Death Day. The final plot twist. The movie should have ended at a certain point. And then it, it decided, you know what? No, there's one more plot twist. And I thought, oh, God. <laughs> I didn't mind it too much because the whole movie was so I hated much the second plot fun. twist. It, it, I, it, 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 if it had just stopped where it logically should have, but then they're like, no, no, no. We have to get you one more time. Uh, that irritated me a little bit. Eh, it fit in with the movie, I thought. And again, it was fun. I thought that the ending, I agree, it probably, I wouldn't have minded if it ended where it did, but I thought that that was kind of neat, where it was like, okay, wait, no, that's not the end. I don't know, it didn't, but the whole movie, I, I was, well, once you see what the movie is, you get into the vibe of it, and you really start enjoying it. Because in the beginning, you hate everything and every uh like everyone involved in this and then once you once it starts to kind of do its thing then it really becomes endearing it is a movie that will win you over which i was i was gritting my teeth when the movie started and then i was applauding and cheering at the end it's that is rare that a movie will win you over like that well i, I want to talk about one of the most irritating things about movie trailers right now and that is movie trailers for movie trailers 
Oh. This ha- this only happens for big budget studio films, but I'm so sick of like a little, it's always oh, like 15 God. to 18 seconds. It- it'll be like, you know, the full trailer will come out in three days and they'll run this on Entertainment Tonight. And it'll be all over YouTube. And I'm like, did you just have a teaser trailer for a teaser trailer? They'll what do that the before hell is the wrong actual with you? trailer starts too. Sometimes they'll show like, a preview of what you're about to see seconds from then. Avengers Infinity War, the official trailer. It's like, so those eight seconds of, of footage, which you're just about to repeat in this trailer. What is, why? Why are we doing this? It's a, it's a commercial for the commercial. I, I just, come on, guys. Just get to the... And, and the thing is, usually that commercial for the commercial will deflate my interest in watching the trailer. Because it's just yeah. like... I, uh, like, it really just, it sucks. I can't stand it. It's fucking stupid. Like, I mean, it really is. It's, I don't see the point. I mean, it's, it's a trailer. The whole point of a trailer is to entice you to, to see the movie. And, and that's its purpose. I, I don't really see what the purpose is of, of making a trailer for the trailer. So you're enticing somebody to see the advertisement for something that's advertising a movie that you want to see. It's, it's, it's convoluted crap. Is it weird we've gotten to the point where the advertisement has become the event? <laughs> yes. I think it, it has something to do with, with the viral generation. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just trying to dump out as much uh, information as, as humanly possible. No, 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 because uh, unfortunately that's not. I remember when Entertainment Tonight back in 19, it was either early 1991 or late 1990, they had a huge buildup to the Terminator 2 trailer and they debuted it on Entertainment Tonight. That was a really big deal that even before we get to see it in the theater, the trailer is going to be on Entertainment Tonight tonight. Well, that so, is a really big deal, though, because it's it's Terminator Two. But I'm just saying, and you know, that's what, a phenomenon that goes back to when is, I was is, in uh, high school. Is like, just think about it. What movie lately is as important as Terminator Two? The point is, this is a phenomenon that goes all the way back to when I was in high school, if not earlier. It makes sense for certain movies, though, to like sort of build it up because it's something that somebody been people have been anticipating for so long because it was a movie that had cult status and did really well, and then you know they went and did the did the sequel, the the big budget sequel that ended up in a, in a lot of people's eyes being better than than the original. It, it makes sense to a certain degree with some stuff. It's just that they're doing it with f-ing everything now. Thing I will say, the trailer for the trailer. The reason that I got for why this is is because a lot of times advertisement will go by in five seconds. So they, you know, you can skip the YouTube thing. So what they'll do is they'll have that on there. So you watch that trailer and you, you get all the information before you click skip. But I'm like, but why are you putting the trailer for the trailer on the trailer? Like, <laughs> like it doesn't like if you're, if you go to YouTube to watch Avengers, uh, you know, the infinity war, trailer like you're going to watch the f-ing commercial it like, actually gets wor- it, a- it actually gets worse though cecil have have you ever no i have ad block on usually when i'm on youtube but have you ever done this like on someone else's computer or something and you go to say watch the infinity war trailer and the commercial you get before it is an infinity war tv spot and you're just kind of like <laughs> all right this is just stupid now 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're you're showing me what I am going to what like it doesn't make any sense. They're mm. they're like they they can't they're tripping over their own dick to try to sell you this movie and it's it's becoming a detriment really it's actually like a lot of times it's making me like there's been numerous films where they started running ads for them so early by the time the movie came out i no longer cared because i had been so inundated with with everything about oh you won't believe what it is and i'm just like you know what i i don't care now the big budget movies nowadays they they put out the trailer a year and a half, or the teaser usually, a year and a half before the movie comes out. I remember in the 70s and early 80s, the trailer came out three, four weeks before the movie came out. In- unless it was a really huge film, maybe a month. Because that used to be, uh, the reason why the, the name trailer came along was because it was what they showed after the movie. So you would go see a movie, and then if you wanted to watch the trailers to see what was coming out, you hung around, and you would watch the trailers, which were at the end of the film. And it was reels that the studio had sent of their film that would be premiering in a couple of weeks or whatever. It was to get you pumped and excited for what was coming out very soon. Not pumped and excited for what's coming out next year. Exactly. Which also brings us to what is almost a dead art. And that is, do you guys remember radio spots? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, but, but ra- yeah, unfortunately, well, I should say, un- not unfortunately, but radio has kind of become irrelevant because of itself. Well, okay, but I mean, you could do the same thing with podcast spots, like Blumhouse film, a small Blumhouse movie. They could pay a bunch of horror movie podcasts to run a 30-second spot. I mean, yeah, we don't have Percy Rodriguez or Adolf Caesar to narrate them anymore, which always just made them really cool. I remember when I was growing up, you'd hear these radio spots for movies that you almost couldn't. I mean, like Fulci's Zombie, you couldn't really advertise that on television, like for with a TV spot. Your local radio station would run an Adolf Caesar, an Adolf Caesar red radio spot for that. Sure as hell got my interest up. It is midnight on a tropical island. A beautiful young girl's long hair streams against the coral reef. Her beautiful body is caressed by the tide. Suddenly, a decayed hand rises up as blood-drenched jaws move to bite her. The living dead walk again. They are decaying. They are missing from their graves. They live and hunger for your flesh. There is no place you can hide. Zombies. You are what they eat. No one under 17 will be admitted. Zombie. They come out of the darkness to take over your soul, to eat your flesh, and make you one of the living dead. Ah! Zombie is about to begin, and you will eat it up. It's got my arm! Zombie. We are what they eat. No one under 17 admitted. Get out of here! Go! The shadows move. The wind howls. You run in terror and hide. Bloody hand rises to grab you, and with an axe you split apart what was once human. Zombie. One of the 17 will be admitted. You are in a room filled with your friends. But they are all dead. Suddenly, one by one, they begin to move, to live again. 
hell are they? Zombie. How can we stop Here, them? take this. Zombie. They are decaying. They are missing from their graves. Shut up! Zombie. It's shocking. That's why no one under 17 will be admitted. Save me. Radio spots are a dead art, and they are an art because you have 30 seconds with audio only to get someone interested in a movie. That's mm. even harder than a TV spot is. I just, I, I, I miss, well, for one thing, I miss great narrators. Yeah, everyone goes, oh, Don, Don LaFontaine. Okay, he was good. He was no Adolf Caesar or Percy Rodriguez. They were the trailer narrators to me, were Adolf Caesar and Percy Rodriguez. Oh, he was no Cecil Trachenberg either. <laughs> yeah, no one is. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, it, it plays into theater of the mind, Th- them being able to sell you a package that you're seeing uh, with, you know, in, uh, in your head. And I think that is definitely a lost art. Um, they could be selling spots to podcasts and to uh, uh, like serious satellite radio and whatnot. And that would uh, that would kind of be able to push the movie. But now everything is so, uh, you know, well, you know, show me everything. Oh, it's the, the spectacular blockbuster you have to see to believe. And where in the old days, they would just have screams and creaking doors and uh, little little noises and stuff. And what what is kind of funny is that so many people will not read a book, but will uh, listen to the audiobook. And essentially, a audio radio spot is a thirty second audiobook. Yeah. And so, like, why they're not looking into that and probably spending a significantly less amount of money to do the audio spot, produce a, a, you know, 15 gajillion trailers that are going on television. It's just ridiculous. I think it's funny that you said about the Avengers, how it's 48 minutes. I remember the, uh, uh, the second Amazing Spider-Man movie. I think, uh, it was like 38 minutes. Uh, but it was 38 minutes and the entire plot. I think that was also the thing where somebody managed to stitch that together. And it's like, here's the entire narrative of the film. And w- no one needs that. No one needs all of that to sell the film. And as we discovered, like, it didn't work. You dumped all of that money and spent all of this into trying to get people to go see the movie instead of maybe actually putting that money into the film and making it a good movie. It's definitely a dying art. I mean, it, it's the show me... It's the show me generation. Everybody wants to to see it. They they want to be told it's the greatest thing they'll ever see, a cinematic achievement, this, this, and that. It's audio spots are, are definitely a lost art. I mean, and, and most people barely even really listen to the radio unless it's like to listen to the top 40s or whatever at work. Like a lot of people won't listen to talk radio unless it's like, well, people listen to, to, to podcasts now or they'll get, uh, you know, Sirius XM to listen to some, some talk radio kind of thing. They're not really going to do it to get advertisements or commercials. Most people want to nix the, the commercials so they can get straight to the, the meat of, um, what they're, what they're going after, what sort of content they're going for. So they'll just see their advertisements for their movies and stuff either on YouTube or at theater or on TV or whatever. They'll, they'll watch the trailer for it. Even though, as Cecil said, you could absolutely save a ton of money by just airing a, an audio spot, at least go half and half, you know, have some, advertisements that are audio only and have some that are that are video only and save some cash and put put the remaining stuff into the the film itself and you know beef it up a little bit try to make it uh, make the product itself better i think it is just the could be the lack of attention span it could just be people's cynicism you know not being like well i don't see what it looks like how do i know it's going to be good sort of thing even though as it was mentioned yeah people will listen to 
to audiobooks. And I think with, with the amount of people who do listen to podcasts, I think that could be an avenue where you could put some audio trailers here and there to, to try to, to advertise stuff. I think that could honestly be, um, that could be kind of a, a cash cow potentially in terms of advertising movies. Like you could go for sort of higher, higher echelon podcasts like, um, and, and try to try to air an audio spot. But the problem with that is a lot of podcasts lately are also video. A lot of people that, that watch, like, say, there's, like, the Joe Rogan podcast. That one's, like, like, you can go on YouTube and watch that one as a video. It's him, like, talking with his guest or whatever. So even even podcasts, which, which are essentially started out as audio things, are becoming video. So I think the, the audio shows, even as a whole, are, are becoming a bit of a lost art. I, I just think with the whole retro thing that's been going on the last few years, the fact that nobody's gone back to, you know, late 70s, early 80s style Adolf Caesar radio spots, it's just, it's a missed opportunity to me if you're going to try and hit that retro market. Well, there's some stuff from the retro market that I, I honestly don't think works very well. I mean, a lot of those older, like, uh, sleaze movie trailers and stuff, like, they, they do spoil too much. Like, I, I know, I know you were talking about being sort of a fan of the three to four minute trailers that are almost like a mini movie. Fucking hate those because they actually have ruined some movies for me. Uh, in particular, the one for, I believe it was I Drink Your Blood. For one, that was advertised as a double feature with I using eat your footage skin. from one it was using footage from one movie pretending that it was two and it showed you every literally every gore scene every scene that's violent is in the trailer and then i watched the movie and i was so fucking disappointed because the majority of it was just a bunch of filler a bunch of people farting around and talking about just just daily minutia and then there was like maybe 15 minutes of like or less than that of like the, the gory shocking stuff. They're like, what, what you have seen in this trailer is only a small taste of what you'll see in the movie. It's like, no, no, you showed me everything. You showed me <laughs> absolutely everything in three minutes and I hate you for it. That, that's one thing I would like to stay in the, in the seventies is because nowadays they're showing us a lot in trailers. They used to show us even more for some of these lower budgeted movies. And it was, I get it. Maybe the movie itself kind of sucked and didn't have a lot going for it. So you show them all the cool stuff in the trailer, but that's, that's shystery. That's, that's some shyster shit. And it, it ruins and spoils the movie worse than a lot of the modern trailers do because they are showing you everything to get your butt in the seat. And then you sit down and, and for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever and realize, wow, every everything that I came to see was entirely in the trailer and everything that wasn't advertised in the trailer was a bunch of boring shit. What about when the the, the trailer cutters, the, the, they have certain techniques. And I'm not talking about the wah and all that crap that's used in every trailer. I, I, I've always noticed it's weird where the producer gets a, a strange credit like if ridley scott did not direct a movie but he produced it how ridley scott's name will be mentioned three times in the trailer but not the director's mm. you know from the producer of blade runner from the producer of alien from the producer of gladiator yeah you also didn't mention all of the crap he produced either <laughs> I, I always think it's funny when the producer of right there, I, that's always a clue to me. 
this movie's a turd. When they're actually yeah. touting who the producer is in the trailer, this movie's a turd. That or they just don't have faith in the uh, in the guy who actually directed it because he's either a bit of an unknown or maybe he put out a bomb the year before or people just don't know about him so they'll go for the producer credit. And I, I see through that shit immediately i want to know who the who the director is tell me who the director is you know maybe it's 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 nice to get somebody who's new as well sometimes you know you want to be introduced to to some new content like as soon as i see that that the producer credit thing it's like well they didn't direct it you know they they could just be the ones financing the film you know they're they're distributing it so i i hate that too it's like the producer of alien it's like well it's not the guy who directed alien is it it's another guy this, the, the movie's not going to be anything like a Ridley Scott film. I remember they they tried to do that with Hostel as well. Um, you know, from the from the producer of Pulp Fiction. It's like pr- produced by uh, Quentin Tarantino. Like his name was was uh, bigger than Eli Roth's name in in all of the in all of the advertisements for the film. And I I didn't buy it for a second. Uh, it drives me nuts because it works because it fools like dumb people. I went to see Hero. In the theater. That was one it was where a Tarantino was... movie. Don't you know it? Exactly. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, there were people that were walking out of the theater going, man, Tarantino can do anything. And it's like, no, he had literally nothing to do with the film, with the exception of the fact that he bought the distribution rights so that he could release it under his name in the U.S. Now, granted, I appreciate the fact that he was going out of his way. He did it with, um, I think, uh, I forget the name of his company. Rolling Thunder. But, uh, Rolling Thunder, thank you. But he brought over, like, you know, he, he fixed uh, Switchblade Sisters. It, it, the VHS also plays into this. I have the VHS of Switchblade Sisters from Rolling Thunder. It's Quentin Tarantino Presents Switchblade Sisters on the VHS. Oh. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, but that was the thing. That was the way that they were able to get it to sell it more or less was they would put his you know his name at that point was gold and so just attaching his name to it would get people to watch it so i think in a way it was good that he was using it in that aspect but the studio was using it as a way that oh well this we can sell this movie it'll sell more tickets because if they had honestly if they had released hero as it was with just jet lee it wouldn't have done as well but releasing it as a quentin tarantino presents it did incredibly well, and but the downside was it didn't give the people that actually made the movie the credit that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is one of the big problems that I have with uh, with the from the producer of, and it lists all of these other movies, and it's like so obviously this is going to be as good. When a lot of times the producer of sometimes didn't have very much involvement. They were just the money guy. They, uh, you know, uh, like there are a lot of producers that will work uh, and go back and forth with the director to make the film as good as it is. But then you have other ones that are just the money guy. And a lot of mm-hmm. times whenever there's a film where it's from the producer of all these films that were hits, a lot of times they're just guys that see a good opportunity and throw money at it. But then they use Use their name. You have a famous director, and it'll be like, you know, he'll release the film under his name, where in actuality he won't have anything to do with it. It's just that he bought it and distributing it under his name. Mm. So I think it's a, uh, it's shady and it's underhanded, but it gets results. There are a lot of films that are from the uh, blank 
and they end up doing really well because of that. Because people, they can't just see an idea and go, hey, that looks pretty good. I'm going to go see that. Hey, I'm, I was going to go see that movie. I've literally had this conversation with people. Well, well I was going to see this movie, but I didn't recognize anybody in it. You, you, you have that same thing, you know, to even stick with Tarantino, like from Dust Till Dawn to Texas Blood Money. From the mind of Quentin Tarantino, guys, he didn't <laughs> write it or direct it. It's based on his, on characters he wrote. Yeah. He really had next to nothing to do with from Dust Till Dawn 2. And then From Dust Till Dawn 2 even also went and tried to blow up Bruce Campbell and, 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 uh, Kimberly Amber Thiessen, or I think Tiffin, she was the one. Tiffany. Tiffany. Tiffany Amber yeah. Thiessen. Because, you know, they're listed in the starring along with Robert Patrick and everything. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They each have less than 30 seconds of screen time and they're not actually in the movie. They're in a fake movie Robert Patrick is watching on television. Mm. So they're, they're showing these scenes that are cut together where, you know, in, in the movie, Bruce, in the movie within the movie, Bruce Campbell gets eaten by an elevator full of bats mm. and they make it look like that's part of the titty twister sequence. My God, everything in this trailer is a lie. Now, to be fair, the movie is a steaming piece of crap. So they probably were going to do anything to get people to rent this piece of shit. But that's deceptive as hell. The Bruce Campbell thing, the Tarantino's name. From Dust Till Dawn 2 is a textbook example of a fuck you trailer. No, it is, absolutely. That's that's underhanded. That's, um, and I, I get it. They really want people to go, to go see it. So they're trying to throw out as many, as many big names as humanly possible. But it's like, as, as soon as people sit down and watch it, you're going to get the word of mouth effect. You're going to be like, well, Bruce Campbell's actually only in it for 20 seconds in like a fake movie and Quentin Tarantino didn't actually direct it. Like people are going to find out. It's like, it's like stuff in your crotch. She, she's going to see how little your dick actually is when your pants come off. Well, you turn the light off first before they get the pants off. Jeez. It's almost like you've done we that can't before. All, we can't all be in. We can't all be Serbian big dick bastards. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm with you, man. I I the, I remember uh, being excited because I adore the uh, first uh, from dusk till dawn. Oh, the but then I was like, good. oh, the first one's phenomenal. But then I'm like, oh my god, there did two sequels. Oh well, they're they're direct to video. Hey, you know what? There were some good direct to videos at the time. Oh my god, this stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Blood Money is so bad. We're going to do a full retrospective on the From Dust Till Dawn franchise later this year. That movie is borderline incompetent. First of all, there's one scene that's edited in the wrong order in that movie. They talk about an event in the past tense, and then the very next scene is that event happening. So I'm like, you couldn't even edit this in the right order. And then I wonder if they were trying to edit it like Tarantino, like doing a sort of non-linear thing, and then just fell on their faces. Just once? That, yeah, that doesn't. Fit. I think. Yeah, I think. I think it was just a failure. Like, and and, and then there's <laughs> another scene. More likely. And then there's another scene where the cops are interrogating Robert Patrick at his hotel room near the beginning of the film, and you can see through the open door a super fake-looking cactus and very fake. I don't mean matte painting painting but just what looks like a painting outside his door and i mm. thought okay he's in a hotel maybe that's you know the painting on the walls because it's a cheap hotel or something yeah then they go to the next shot his door faces the outside so i'm like no. oh god that was supposed to be the desert behind him i'm like this movie is borderline incompetent so i can see why they needed to deceive you to go see this crap it was a uh it was a fart factory yes <laughs> but so 
We'll talk more about From Dust Till Dawn another time. One thing I miss is, do you guys remember when, usually lower budget, sometimes direct-to-video movies would do this, remember when they would give you a comic book with it to try to kind of entice you? Like a week before the movie would come out, there'd be a free comic book at the comic book store of it? I, I remember yeah, I've got... Yeah, kind of. I, I, I sort of remember that. I, I've got a Leprechaun comic book that was a free giveaway a week before Leprechaun came out. Full Moon used to do that, too. Full Moon would have, like, a Jack Death comic that would come out for, like, you know, 50 cents right before the next Trancers movie. I kind of miss the the comic book tie-in that's not a requirement. And they, they even kind of did that with, uh, I, I sort of thought it was cool, they did it with Dread. Um, they did a little spin-off comic shortly after the, the movie came out. I think it was either meant to take place slightly before or slightly after. I thought those were fun. I liked the, um, I liked the tie-in com- comics. I remember they, there, there would be two different types. There would be the little tie-in that would either kind of have a little short prequel or they would do the adaptation of the, of the movie. Like when Spawn came out, you had sort of a, I guess, director's cut version in, in comic form, but, but I know what you're talking about, the short ones that would be used to like sort of promote the movie. And yeah, I, I thought those were cool. And I feel like that, that does need to make uh, more of a comeback because those were really fun. Yeah. There were uh, a couple that uh, I still have, uh, some of the, the full moon ones and, uh, it, it was neat. It was like a little, um, they, they kind of understood their market. They were like, Hey, uh, people that read comics are probably really going to be into this. Why don't we tie that in? And it's a better, it's a better way to kind of get people interested in the movie, especially for something like Dread, which came from the comics to begin with. So mm. you want to pull in the audience that likes comics. What better way than having like a little cheap tie into it? It's yeah. not going to cost them a whole lot and it probably will get uh, people to, to talk about it. Even if you have one person that buys the comic and then like loans it to a friend, you might sell two tickets right there. Well, but I mean, Charles Band was again ahead of the curve. This is the early 90s. He would do that with Full Moon. He would advertise, and it makes sense you're sending, you know, the new Puppet Master poster to the video store, right? He would send them to the comic book stores, too, because he knew that crossover audience. Oh, hey, the guy's going in to buy Batman and X-Men this week? There's a new Puppet Master movie coming out? Awesome, let's go to the video store down the block. Mm-hmm. You didn't see the studios doing that. Guy was a good businessman. Was, is the key phrase. The The, the comic book tie-in thing that I don't like is where... If you want to understand the movie, you need to buy this comic book. The mm. Foxes, Fox is famous for this. They, they, they really hammered this home with Predators. Oh yeah, all these things that don't make sense? Well, go and buy the Dark Horse comic book for four issues at $2.95 a piece. That gives you the rest of the story. I shouldn't have to buy the comic book to get the full story of the movie. That's sleazy. Screw you, Fox. I act, I never, um, I, I, I know the comics came out, but I didn't really need to go read them to understand. I, I enjoyed Predators more than enough on its own. And if anything, that's kind of cool because, hey, it meant it meant more Predator stuff from Dark Horse, so I, I fully endorse that. Yeah, I, I understood the movie just fine. I, I still haven't read the books, and I've seen the movie again, and it still makes sense. So I don't know what they... Uh, I mean, I think maybe if it, it'll flesh things out a little bit more, so definitely would make uh, more, you know, it, I can't, I could see it only adding to it. I still enjoy it though for what it is. Now I remember in a certain, in a way, after I saw Alien Covenant and thought it was a steaming pile of garbage. Cause it um, is. 
because it is. But there were a lot of people that were like, well, see, because I was when I did my video, I was like, well, this sucked. And they didn't explain this like, well, see, there was the video series that they put leading up to this. And I'm like, I had no idea. That this exists, and and if I did, I probably would have avoided it anyway because yeah. I would have thought it was spoiling stuff that was leading up to the film. So that's where I have a problem, where uh, they spent money putting out these clips that were leading up to the film itself that were filling out stuff that would happen in the film itself. How about you make the film itself good and you stop yeah. worrying about uh, trying to add stuff in beforehand? I like I don't mind if they would have done stuff that would have enhanced it. It would have mm. been like. But I mean, there were integral stuff to the plot that they put yeah, in this that was only prequel. In the, it was only in the viral marketing, and that, that was yeah. just an idiotic move on oh, Fox's many, marketing department. One of many idiotic moves in that piece of garbage. Right. Well, let's go back to Happy Death Day for a moment. Uh, hey, Peter, have you seen Happy Death Day yet? I still haven't seen it. No. Okay, well, Cecil and I have, and both of us, as well as every review I read about Happy Death Day when that movie came out, based on the trailer, I expected to hate this movie. And I know, Cecil, you said the same thing, I said the same thing. When the trailer is so bad, it makes people not want to see what's an otherwise good movie. Have you totally failed as a marketing department? Blumhouse's marketing department for Happy Death Day not only dropped the ball, they ended up slipping on it, having it crammed up their ass, and having to have it removed at the emergency room. No, they did not. Because for all of that, on a $4.8 million budget, they made $122 million. So I think that the movie still succeeded. It was, it opened at number one at the box office. I would see if it opened in like, even if it opened at third place, they dropped the ball. But no, they didn't. It still made people, it still was enticing enough to get people to see the film. And it's not so much that I went expecting it to be a bad film. It's just that the trailer, they made it look like it was going to be, uh, Groundhog Day, the horror film, which in essence it kind was. Kind of it is, sort of. But they did not ruin the movie. They showed the one scene that they really shouldn't have with the when she thought she won, but she really didn't like that. Kind of, I would have liked to have not uh, had that in the trailer, but uh, I still think that it was enticing enough to get people uh, to go see it. And it obviously worked. The movie was a monumental success and they're trying to figure out how they're going to do a sequel for it. I think probably the best bet to do would be to do a different character altogether. Cause if they, if they bring, you know, if they do a tree again, it, it's, it's like, oh, come on. Like she's no, already I, been through this. Yeah, I, I agree. That would be a bad idea, but I'm just saying, Look at every single one of the reviews, both from major critics and from internet critics, when that movie came out. Th this movie, I didn't want to go see it based on this trailer. That tells me you cut a really bad trailer. It happens, though. I mean, how many times has there been a good movie that has had a bad trailer. It happens from time to time for, for whatever reason. It just, it doesn't resonate. Or sometimes there have been ones where a trailer comes along for a movie that is similar and the movie, the trailer ends up dropping before the other one. So then everyone sees the first trailer and it's like, Oh, that's good. And then they see the other trailer, which was going to come out right around the same time. But then they're like, Oh my God, it's just like this movie. When in actuality, it's just, it's a coincidence. So sometimes marketing has good intentions but they end up botching it because of bad timing or any other number of things there are worse things in my opinion 
than uh, than a bad trailer. I mean, if as now what I mean is that if it's a trailer that doesn't sell the film as well as it could have, it happens. Now, if they oversell the film or they show too much of the film or they flat out lie to you by including footage that was shot specifically for the trailer and not for the movie. Highlander Endgame. Highlander Endgame. That's where I have a problem versus it just being a bad trailer. But then look at something like like how clueless Disney was in the early 80s, well, the late 70s, really. Look at how, now, I love Tron. Both that teaser trailer and that theatrical trailer are garbage. Not only do they not sell Tron at all, they make the movie look boring and stupid. It, you know, and then they, they did the same thing with Black Hole. No matter what you think about it, those trailers are awful. It was like Disney's marketing department had no idea how to sell sci-fi in the late 70s and early 80s. These were old men who just didn't understand this sci-fi stuff. So, well, we'll sell this like we would, you know, a Little House on the Prairie movie. And (laughs) you can't do that with Tron. It's true though. I mean, it's, it's what it is. But like people don't, a lot of people now don't realize Disney was not a powerhouse back then. Disney was kind of a floundering production company at the time. Like as they good as a lot of their live action stuff at that era was, like something wicked this way comes and all that. Yeah. People have to remember none of those were hits though. We look back at it and go, Disney was really trying something different, but Disney was going, why is nobody going to see anything? Yeah, they were they were flopping left and right, and uh, it, they were not uh, the hit factory that they are today. So that's really what it all comes down to: is that uh, they they were uh, a lot of uh, older people in charge didn't really have an idea what they were doing, and to a certain degree, though. I don't mind that as much because now you've got a lot of younger people in charge that think they know too much and they try to be too smart for the room. And consequently, we end up with a lot of trash or we end up with something where they're like, this is what you want versus, you know, we know what you want to see versus what we actually want to see. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they just weren't really that uh, big yet as far as being kind of a household name so it's just it's a circumstantial sort of thing i i just think it's kind of weird when you see these movies that are now considered classics and then mm. you go back and watch the trailers and you go oh god how did this ever become a classic <laughs> you, you see that a lot where great movies have god awful trailers and I, I you've seen this i'm not big into the remix everything is a remix thing but sometimes you'll you'll take like someone will take an older movie and they'll recut the trailer in a modern style and i go you know what i actually would have gone to see that movie in 1982 but you know the actual 20th century fox trailer or disney trailer is a boring slog does that indicate that i've changed or just the sensibilities have changed I don't know. I think it could be a little bit of both. I think the sensibilities definitely have. I mean, advertising is far, far different now than it ever was with the releasing of 40 minutes of a movie for for people to see or releasing it on demand the day before it gets in the theaters, putting way more stuff in the trailers than we used to. I, I think the the sensibilities have become a lot more desperate. Yeah, I think uh they're... There's so much out there. Like back in the 70s and 80s, there was not as much content. So you would have uh, a trailer out there and uh, then the movie would hit the theater and it would sit in the theater for a year. 
and uh, would eventually recoup its money if it didn't do well right out of the gate. Whereas now, the movie has to be number one at the box office on opening weekend, or it is a monumental failure. And so they dump tons and tons of money into the trailers, and they have uh, trailers and marketing and TV spots and uh, uh, movie theater spots and internet spots and, uh, you know, this movie on the side of a, a pack of oranges and, um, like, everything they can to get that product in front of your face so that you're there on opening weekend or else it's a failure. I think a lot of the older trailers, they could take the time to tease you a little bit to say, hey, you should check out this movie. And uh, I do uh, some of the old trailers are good, but, um, you know, there are a lot of bad ones. But I will say something like 42nd Street Forever and whatnot, where they're up to like volume six now, I think, where they've compiled all these old uh, 60s, 70s, 80s movie trailers. I would say 20 years from now, they're not going to be compiling all of uh, today's trailers onto a uh, whatever the content is, uh, you know, microchip that goes in your head. Well, uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase something Henry Rollins once said. I've become so desensitized to movie marketing, I didn't even notice the life-size Darth Vader trying to sell me Cheez-Its at the grocery store. <laughs> it's true. I yeah. know. You don't even notice that anymore, do you? you know, mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us have gone into a convenience store and, and bought a soda out of one of those little waist-high coolers, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's R2-D2. Huh, neat. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so on that note, I think advertising a movie has changed a lot not necessarily for the better not necessarily for the worse i do hate some modern advertising techniques then at the same time i really hate some old advertising techniques too but i will say we need to find a modern percy rodriguez or adolf caesar because those guys those guys voices could duel with orson wells or shadow stevens easily i don't think there'd be any competition there so on that note where can we advertise peter can be found Oh, I guess on, on Twitter, at Cinematica, on Facebook, the Cinematicus, YouTube, the Cinematicist, uh, 1201beyond.com. I've got a new video out. Check that out. I should have another one coming out this weekend. I'm almost done editing a new one. Imagine that. I might be back to a somewhat weekly basis here. Uh, now that I have more of a, uh, a monetary, um, reason, I guess. Peter's yeah, a whore. Yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. I'll sell out. I'll sell the f out. I will sell the shit out of myself. Go buy a shirt. Donate to my Patreon at Zinematica. Give me your hard-earned dollars so I can get hard at work to create quality entertainment for you. See what I did there? I got I got humble and and nice at the end. You segged perfectly. Now Cecil's not nearly as subtle, but where can he be found? Uh, you can find me at uh, Good Bad Flicks on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Facebook and 1201beyond.com. And yes, go buy, buy a shirt and support, uh, poor Peter on Patreon. He's, uh, he's a good egg. You can also support me on Patreon or buy a shirt from 1201beyond.com or you could contact this show directly at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.